this week on The Startup Life. If you want to differentiate yourself, you got to move away from just functional goals and help them do some thinking. Why is it important for you to save money? All right, Startup Nation, so let's take flight with Will Leach, co-founder of Trigger Points LLC and also author of Marketing to Mind States. The Startup Life begins now. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have the sacred stone. <laughs> oh, this new crazy mother... Startup Nation, do you enjoy the startup life? Now you can let the world know with gear from the show. Choose from the label yourself, make your own look, and making money t-shirts to tell your story of your path of entrepreneurship. Click the link in the show notes to purchase. All right, Startup Nation, so I hope you're ready to receive some value today. We're here with a special guest, Mr. Will Leach, and he's the author of Marketing to Mind States. How's it going, Mr. Leach? It's going great, Dominic. Thanks for having me. No worries. Are you ready to pour some knowledge in the Startup Nation today? Absolutely ready. Let's get it on. All right. All right. And as, as always, Startup Nation, the Startup Life Podcast is brought to you by the Binge Podcast Network. We have some great podcasts on the network. Make sure you check it out. So, Will, let's begin, man. So, before we hop into it, man, what's your story on your path of entrepreneurship? Because I know you run Trigger Points. So, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, it's the unexpected entrepreneur uh, story. Okay. I did not want to be an entrepreneur until I was forced to be an entrepreneur. Oh, wow. um, my pathway was I started off in the U.S. military, uh, moved my way into college, and I found myself doing classic marketing research in biotechnology, kind of moved into energy, and I found my way over to PepsiCo. And when I was at PepsiCo, just doing classic marketing research, um, I loved my job. I loved my corporate job, but I had the... Uh, the uh, the chance to run a behavioral sciences laboratory. And I'll tell a little more, more about that story later on, I'm sure. But sure. It was during this experience where I found my passion, which was understanding why people do what they do and influencing that using messages that are kind of tapping into the non-conscious. And just like anything, once you love something is when somebody wants to take it from you. And uh, it was time for my rotation to go on to another brand and new job assignment at PepsiCo. And I thought to myself, I can't think of the, anything better than what I'm doing right now, which was running behavioral sciences at PepsiCo. So I sat down with my wife and uh, in fact, I was reading a book. Uh, I'll tell the story. I was reading my book or a book at about 2.30 in the morning and she also worked at uh, Frito-Lay at the time and okay. she kind of leans over and she says like, what are you doing? And I'm so, I'm just reading. I'm sorry. She's like, just get out of here. And I thought, okay, yeah, I start packing up the book. And she said, no, don't leave here. Leave Frito-Lay. Okay. We're going to read about potato chips the way you read about this. She's like, just get out of here already. Like, go start your own company. And it was through necessity uh, that I said, this is what I want to do with my life. And Trigger Point was born. That's awesome, man. So you spent some time at, at PepsiCo and Frito-Lay, correct? That's right. All right, cool. Cool deal. Cool deal. So let me ask you this, man. On your path to entrepreneurship, man, what is, who or what inspires you as an entrepreneur? What makes you just keep going and really pushing forward as you build a business? Yeah, you know, um, I'm going to use some classics, right? I'll tell you, Go Richard Branson and what he's done with the Virgin brand. For sure. Um, I, I model that quite a bit. If you look at what I'm trying to do, which is trying to establish uh, this concept called mind states and the ability and the importance of developing a brand around mind states. What Branson has done is basically scale an entity, a brand into what is it? 140, 160, who knows how many businesses. Absolutely. I've lost involved. count at this point. <laughs> right. And as you should, right. But the guy, the guy is brilliant in that way where he took his brand and, and let other people license that brand mm -hmm. um, into lots of different passions of his, you know? And so I've always been a huge fan of, of Richard Branson and then, you know, just from a personal side, when I was in the military, I had two people, um, a captain that I, that I worked for and also a, a chief warrant officer, and that they both kind of took me under their wing and showed me a vision of what I could be as a person and things that I could give to, to you know, people and to society. 
And, uh, you know, not to worry about their names here, but there are people in your life that step up at that. And, and I think we as entrepreneurs need to step up for people that are in our lives to show them a vision. And these two people, when I was 19, 20 years old, could have gone down the wrong track really easily, mm. took me under their wing, saw something in me, gave back to me, and hopefully I'll get the chance to give back to people. Absolutely. And I really think you're able to do that with your book, man. Like I said, it's an amazing book, Startup Nation. It really is kind of like uh, the guide to, you know how like CIA analysts give like advice and behavioral science and stuff like that. That's kind of how I see this book before the entrepreneur and trying to market their business. But we'll definitely dive into that a little bit later. But before I continue with, I would be remiss if I didn't say thank you for your service. Thank you for what you do, for what you did for our country. Uh, as you said, in the Air Force, correct? Oh, U.S. Army, actually. Army US engineer. Army. Okay. Yep. All right, awesome. So thank you for, for your service. I know we just had Veterans Day that just passed, but I wanted to, uh, before we move on, to acknowledge that part and say thank you for your service. We really appreciate that. Thanks, Dominic. That's great. No worries. No worries. So let me ask you this, man. What did you learn from the worst boss you ever had? It could have been at PepsiCo or wherever. I had a boss that one time uh, she joined, she was my boss. And um, what I learned from her, worst boss ever, was that the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is indifference. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you why. Okay. She did. Um, over time was, uh, yeah, I think that she saw a reorg coming up pretty soon and she probably knew that I was going to be one of the people that are going to be let go. So I was let go in a reorg years and years ago. And what she did rather than kind of working, um, and you know, kind of prepping me for it, she stopped talking to me indifference and she did it first. It was kind of funny cause we sat down, we sat right next to each other without a wall between us. Like she sat within arm's reach. I could have touched her on her shoulder any given day. Right. And about three weeks, she stopped talking to me because I don't think she wanted to deal with the situation. Mm-hmm. And at first, it's funny. And your, your friends laugh at you. She's like, she's right next to you and she's emailing you. She won't talk to you. She'll email you. And then it, it, it is kind of funny. But then it goes into another side, another area. Maybe it's the psychology that I'm talking about now. But you start, under, you start kind of questioning your value a little bit because yeah. indifference. So I'll tell you what I learned from her is that ignoring situations and dealing with problems by ignoring them and maybe just kind of being quiet about them, it's not only just ineffective, frankly, but it's painful for employees. You have to give them an understanding of what's happening, truth, transparency, guidance. And uh, what I learned from her is that everybody's worth that. Uh, there's nobody that's not worth just communications and openness and letting them you know, take on uh, take on the life that they need to, to live. So boy, I learned a ton from her. For sure. And Startup Nation, what I get from that answer as well is that when you have issues in your company and in your business and you just try to avoid them, not only does it affect the business itself, it also affects that company culture. So Will, I appreciate you sharing that. that that's a big piece that you just shared with us. Uh, let me ask you this, man. You know, as entrepreneurs, we always consider ourselves lifelong learners, always constantly in, you know, engaged <laughs> in professional development and stuff like that. So what does that mean to you and what are you learning now? Boy, I'll tell you, especially in my science, but I think you're right. I think everything that we believe is truth today, a hundred years from now, they're going to laugh at us. They're going to, our great grandkids are going to laugh at us and think, do you believe how he was running his business or what he thought was real in the world? I'll give you perspective. So for a while, so my background is in economics and um, I used to have this passion of going to antique stores and finding economics books that were written in the early 1900s, 1910, anything I could get old. And back then, they were talking about science in a very definitive, it was truth. And now we look at those books and we laugh. We think, oh, how could they think that was the reality? I'm smart enough to realize that the world is evolving, that my science is evolving, your science is evolving. Whatever we think is total truth, 100 years from now, they're not going to. So because of that, I am a constant learner. Mm. I've been, I do nothing but read on things that I'm passionate about. And, and this marketing to mind states is certainly one of them, but that has, because of that reading, I'll tell you, it comes out in the book that there are four different social sciences that come together to form this model that I came with. There's no way in the world I would have gotten to those four social sciences. If I wasn't curious and understanding that the world is changing pretty damn fast and that for me, I need to understand these four sciences and keep reading. And then one of those sciences, 10 years from now, it's going gonna, it's gonna to evolve and I'm going to have to evolve with it. Absolutely. Uh, you know, th- this life is one that, as you say, is constantly evolving. And if, if we don't uh, adapt, we die. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate you uh, pointing that out. 
let me ask you this, man, you know, because we have a lot of entrepreneurs in Startup Nation that are, they're, they're in that startup phase. They're just kind of starting out. But, you know, there's a lot of misconceptions out there. What's a popular misconception that you hear often uh, when you first started your business or even now as you're, you know, moving right along and as you run Trigger Point? Yeah. You know, one of the first ones uh, that I remember and I fell into this trap is that you know enough about your business to start a, um, a business plan. Mm. And, I, I, and, and I'll tell you the world in which we are growing up in now, the amount of time it takes us to write a real definitive business plan and really think through our five-year strategy. Brother, I've changed my business every year for four years in a row. And if I would have written a five-year plan and tried to maintain that plan, not recognizing the market changes so dramatically, uh, I'd be in a lot of trouble. So I flow with the market. Uh, my first, my first uh, business model was a, a B2B business model, meaning I was gonna use my consultancy to talk to ad agencies, and very quickly, I found out that the market wasn't there, so I moved over into a different line, and then I, I, started, I started a technology phase of, of my evolution. So the first one I, that comes to mind is that, um, that your business plan, you gotta maintain your business plan. I would tell you, you gotta maintain where the market takes you. And I think doors are opened and you feel momentum going through that door. And when you feel that momentum, hit it because momentum's real. And that momentum is telling you, you know, whether it's somebody's contacting you about an opportunity that otherwise you didn't know about or something seems easier, there's funding in this space, go where the momentum is, don't fight uphill. Um, and the second thing was, I wish I would've known this, and I still don't think there's a book out there that does this. Maybe you can tell me if there's one. You know, we get excited when we read books about entrepreneurship and it's your passion, it's your love. And, and so you go all in, but it's hard. It, and there's a reason why a lot of companies fail. And I wish there was a book that had prepared me for the emotional side of not being successful, right? Absolutely. And so you know, you think your idea is the best idea ever. I have the, I, I'll never forget this. The first time I pitched my idea, it was to an agency. This is that first iteration of Trigger Point. And I, uh, I was talking to the owners and they gave me 20 minutes. And then I'm sitting there and an hour and a half, I'm still in the meeting. I'm still in the meeting. I'm thinking, I'm killing it. Like these owners are giving me 90 minutes. They originally gave me 20 minutes. And I'll never forget, the owner of the agency looks at me and goes, Will, he said, I know you're passionate about what you're doing. I just don't understand what are you trying to sell me? And, and that hit me like a, because I kept thinking, it's right there, don't you see it? Absolutely. Like he, he didn't see it. And the emotional consequences of failure, nobody talks about that in books. They always talk about, you know, they always want to hear about the Elon Musks or the other things, but nobody talks about the emotional toll when you know you have something in your head, you know you have something that value, but yet you just keep failing until you, you hit the right person at the right time. I wish there was something that I would have known if somebody would have pulled me aside and said, Hey, Will, it's going to get a lot tougher than it gets faster than it's going to get easier. It will get easier, but you got to be prepared for the bad times when people just don't believe in you. That that's another thing I think that kind of comes to mind. Uh, absolutely. That, that, that's a big piece. And there's a lot to unpack in what you just said. The first thing is startup nation. One of the things he said was go with the momentum. Don't fight those battles uphill. You know, I think that's a very important piece for starting entrepreneur, you know, when you're starting that path to entrepreneurship. But also, you know, you're absolutely right, man. That emotional toll, it, 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 can, it can pack a nice little wallop. You know, and if you don't have like the nice, you know, support system or at the very least believe in the idea, man, it, it, can, it can take a nice little toll. And, you know, when you talked about, you know, in that presentation that, you know, you're passionate about it and I'm not really sure what you're selling me. I understand exactly what you're talking <laughs> about, man, because there's a lot of us out here. Uh, the parent company for the startup life is, uh, is uh, our parent company. Al's LLC is an education consulting firm. And so it's one of those things where it's like we don't sell cupcakes. We don't sell cheeseburgers. So mm -hmm. it's not like there's not this instantaneous I get it moment. Like it takes a lot of explaining. And that's hard for people in the service industry to, you know, who are starting a business and they're going into the service industry to understand. So I appreciate you talking about that because that part, like you said, can really take a toll on a new entrepreneur because you're right, man. Nobody talks about that. I wish there was a book out there. Maybe yeah, that's your next book. I could be, I'll tell you, I loved what you said about support, a support system because there's no way 
I would be doing this with my life now. And I, I love my life. I love owning my own company. It's small. I work with my best friends. It's a great life. But in year one, if it wasn't for my wife believing in me when otherwise I didn't believe in myself, there was two or three times I thought to myself, I'm just going to, I'm not good at this. Like this agency, I spent 90 minutes with them and they didn't understand what my proposition was. And I think to myself, if it wasn't for my wife, my support system who believed in me, on those emotional lows, when you maybe don't believe in yourself, you may believe in the idea, but you start questioning whether you're the person that can actually get this idea off the ground. That support network makes a huge difference. We would not be in this place today if it wasn't for my wife encouraging me during that first year of, of making me making sure I believe in myself. That's, it's an important thing to, to not over, uh, overshadow because it's, it's important to have that network, whether it's your wife, your best friend, it's just some a, a inner circle that will push you when you otherwise won't push yourself. Absolutely. And one last question before we start to dive into the book a little bit: What does your average day look like as a you know as you dive into your uh, your path of entrepreneurship from sun up to sundown? Be as specific as possible. I get up um, most mornings six thirty, and the first thing I do is uh, probably not the right thing to do, but I check emails because I, I I have global clients, and so. Um, what I believe at 6:30 seems early to me. Well, it's it's afternoon if I'm if I'm overlooking at somebody or working with somebody in the United Kingdom. So always check that initial email. But then I actually drop my phone and then I just kind of spend time with the family. And the the hard part about being an entrepreneur is is the sacrifices you you have to make with your family. Oftentimes it's hard for you to balance that stuff. And so I try to do that by put the phone down, try to have breakfast with the wife with my son. And then kind of get him off to school. He's, he's, he's in third grade. So we try to get him off to school. Then I am in a series of, as an entrepreneur, there are different roles you play. One is chief sales officer, right? So I'm constantly drumming business up, checking to see who's been, um, who's been talked to, um, who have we talked to recently? Where are we on sales? Things like that. Because, you know, the whole thing's cash flow. You've got to keep cash flow up or Absolutely. you don't really have a business. So my, my time gets placed there. Another part of my, my, my time is, we kind of talk about this, like I, I have a very heavy science-based uh, model. And so I have to be chief science officer. So it's chief revenue officer, I just have to be chief science officer because right. my clients want to feel confident that I know what I'm talking about. So I'm on other calls, talking with other marketers, marketing researchers, telling them about the sciences that, that I talk about in the book, and making them feel comfortable that I'm just not blowing smoke, that I, there's a lot of deep, rich knowledge in my background and, and, my, uh, and my knowledge. And then the third part of it is uh, evangelist. And the evangelist role I talk about is, you know, <laughs> I'm trying to change an industry. I'm trying to create um, a merging, a merging of marketing and design using behavioral science. I'm trying to change the way marketers think. I'm trying to change the way researchers think. And because of that, I need to be on the forefront of presenting at universities, presenting on stage, um, things like that. So I have this other role called evangelist, I call it. And gotcha. what I'm trying to do Absolutely. is get to conferences, get on social media, write articles. And it's not so much to drive sales, though I do that. I mean, there's no doubt about it. When I write something on LinkedIn, if you want to you know, connect with me on LinkedIn, you'll see my articles. I do it in part because I want to drive business for TriggerPoint, my company, no doubt about it. The other part is I'm trying to be that key person of influence, that subject matter expert, that you know, somebody could look online, see that I've written about a topic and just want to call out. So that's a, a third part of my day. And so I, I flip back and forth onto all those things. Um, and then, uh, and then towards nighttime, again, I come back home, spend time with the family. They're the energy. They're, they're the engine behind all, all of trigger point it is kind of that my family connections. Um, and then sometimes I'll do a little bit of email. Sometimes I won't. And then on Fridays, what I try to do as best possible is do stuff like this, like with you, have conversations, invoice, things like that. Because after Monday through Thursday of, you know, all the client calls, stuff like that, I try to keep my Fridays open to do just the maintenance of the business. You got to invoice people to get money. You have to pay sure. your bills, <laughs> things sure. like that. Absolutely. That, that tends to be my, my Fridays. And then the weekends, you know, just like anything else, you're always you know, I don't like, I don't believe in this idea that you can walk away from your business. One, it's my passion. And so I don't want to walk away for an entire two days, but also on Saturdays and Sundays, of course, you're going to look at emails, but you're going to kind of flex a bit and say, you know what, that email right there, even though it's a, it's a client that's really important. I'm not going to answer that email because it's more important for me to uh, kind of be here with the family and do some barbecuing or whatever. So there's kind of a tension on the weekends because I, 
I get I get to work on both my passions, my family as well as as well as Trigger Point. Thank you for sharing that. And Startup Nation, if you do want to read some of Will's uh, content on LinkedIn, if you look there in the show notes, uh, there's a link to his LinkedIn page for easy access, and also there's a link to purchase his book, Marketing to Mind States, is also there in the show notes along with the bio. Uh, for Will as well. So, man, let's hop right into it, man. Let's talk about this amazing book that you've written. And, man, like when I read it, I was like, wow, like this is crazy, <laughs> right? You know, for the longest time, I'm thinking that, you know, I was like this very informed consumer when all the while I've been kind of like, you know, led to <laughs> uh, make certain purchasing decisions, which is okay. And, it's, and, and for the entrepreneur, it really is great information to know. I think uh, a part of the book that I did like was the part where you talk about like uh, uh, in the grocery store and the music mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And also the part uh, when you go to the produce part, yeah. uh, you know, and, and like, and I'm thinking to myself like, oh, I guess it's just time for that thunder and lightning and the spray of water to go down. But now I'm starting to think like there's like some type of like sensor that every time I go over <laughs> there, that kind of triggers it. So but no, man, this book really is amazing, Startup Nation. Like I said earlier, it, it, it literally is like, you know, like somebody took, you know, like a, a, CIA, a CIA analyst mindset and applied it to marketing. Tell us a little bit, Will, about the inspiration behind writing this book, man. Yep. So, you know, I think there's, there's two things I'll talk about. The first one is, you know, as a marketer and in the research space, um, I was working at PepsiCo. And the reason why I even got into subconscious marketing, maybe the easiest way to, to think about it was I was at a conference and a stat just kind of hit me out of the blue. I was at this marketing conference and, um, and I'll share it with you guys now. And it sets the stage for this entire book and our conversation. And mm-hmm. you make 75,000 decisions on any given day, guys, like 75,000, the vast majority of those decisions wow. that you're making are at the non-conscious level because you couldn't do cost benefit analysis on every one of these decisions that you or your customers make. So imagine, you know, the alarm goes off in the, in the morning. You, right then you start deciding, should I open my eyes, should I not open my eyes? Should I turn off the alarm, should I not turn off the alarm? Should I use my left hand to turn off the alarm or the right hand to turn off the alarm? Like those are all decisions, whether you know it or not. And the vast majority of those things is you don't know. And so I started looking at the world differently thinking, well, as marketers and as researchers, we tend to ask people, what do you think about my product? Or we try to convince people, I want you, here's all the five reasons why you should buy my product. It's cheaper, it's faster, it's, and we're trying to educate people, um, yet they're non-conscious, our, our non-conscious minds, all those 75,000 decisions that I make um, every day, the vast majority of them are made emotionally at the non-conscious level, but we're trying to consciously uh, get people to change their behaviors. So I, I took that years ago at PepsiCo, started behavioral science, you know, research over there. Then I moved over to trigger point, started a company that helps understand these non-conscious drivers. The reason the book came about was this, I was at a conference um, last year and I'm at a table. And what happens is uh, I'm supposed to be speaking on behavioral design, which is this idea that designing for the non-conscious. Right, right. And I'm at this table and uh, people start coming to the table and all I'm supposed to do is facilitate a conversation, right, Dominic? So I'm not supposed to sell nothing. People are coming over to my table and it's all, it, we had eight chairs and it kind of grew to 10, then grew to 12 chairs and people from all different industries came up and I start this session. Of, hey everybody, thanks for coming. My name's Will. I'm here to talk about behavioral design. Boom, hand comes up. I said, what's that? And this, uh, this uh, lady at the table says, what is behavioral design? I said, okay, let's talk <laughs> about that. So I talked a little bit about, you know, it's this idea that we use biological and neurological and psychological factors in marketing and I want to design for those factors. Great. So everyone nods, like, okay, great. I go, so tell me, what books are out there that you're using right now to help you in this space? Crickets, man. Not one person says anything. Gotcha. There, where it dawned him, I thought, oh my gosh, there's no book that has taken all this stuff and made it practical. And then what I was trying to do was, I did not write the book for marketing researchers or for behavioral psychologists, nothing like that. I wrote it for the real estate agent who's starting to set up their shop. I wrote it for the plumber who is just starting their company. I wrote it for the local ad agency who's just trying to do a little bit better marketing. And I realized the books that are out there right now are so deep in the science that mm-hmm. people can't bring that to life into everyday practices. Like, like you said, why does it, when you walk past a produce section, why is there thunder and lightning and, and spray comes on the produce? Right. There's behavioral psychology behind what's happening there. 
and nobody, but people, you don't have to understand the deep metaphors that are being elicited or elicited through that process. You don't need to know about the psych. All you need to know is that the reason why grocery stores are doing thunder and lightning is they're trying to make you believe that their stuff is fresh. That's it. And you can take that idea. You can run with that idea. And that's what this book was about. So that's why it was at that table 18 months ago, I think, where I thought, holy cow, these people are professional, smart people, and they, they don't know where to go. So I decided to write a book about it. That's amazing, man. And you're absolutely right, man. Like, it really is. When you read the book, Startup Nation, it really is giving, like, practical advice and knowledge on how to use it uh, in your day-to-day business to try to understand how people think and understand how to kind of, you know, maneuver people in a certain way, in a certain direction based on their mind state and, you know, emotional understanding and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. So I appreciate you sharing that part. Uh, What makes this book different than other business books, man? Because there's a lot of books about marketing. There's a lot of books about, you know, about different topics related to entrepreneurship. What makes this book different, Will? Yeah, what comes to mind is, and I kind of talked a little bit about it in the last question, was that in my genre, to understand behavioral psychology, you know, if the vast majority of books out there are trying to delve into the science of it. But yet, if I'm a real estate agent or if I'm just trying to, you know, I, I have a cell phone repair shop down the road, you, you don't need to know the deep science behind this stuff. If you want to know, there are lots of books out there that'll help you. So the first thing was I thought, I want to make it practical. And so now I made it practical for marketers in this space. But I, you know, if you know anything about entrepreneurship, we're all marketers at some point. You have all salespeople, we're all marketers. Absolutely. So, practicality. I I tried to give uh, examples and I I did this in a couple of different ways to make it more practical. One thing is I didn't want a lot of jargon. So I took a lot of jargon out of it. Absolutely. And I meant to point that out. No, that I think you did a really great job of not necessarily like overpowering with, with science, but at the same time, not using a lot of jargon to wait, you know, to, you know, everybody can understand. So I really appreciated that about the book as well. Well, yeah, you know, there's that, there's that line somewhere. I think it's in the early part of the book. And I said, this book is for people who don't want to learn or earn Absolutely. a PhD while reading because Absolutely. anyone can do that. Any, every, every academic out there has a book on, on something and then they are trying to convince you how smart they are. And I said, I'm not going to do that. So I zagged when everyone else was zigging. Um, and, and another thing I did was, okay, so I eliminated some jargon to make it practical. But the second thing I did, which is very unusual in the books that, I, that I've seen, is I tried to use real stories because you can't relate to my experience when I'm over at PepsiCo running a laboratory and, and testing things neurologically. Who can relate to that? You know what you can relate to? I start the book off with the birth of my son. And I say, and I try to explain a bigger concept with everyday things, whether it's the birth of my son. Or um, there are other stories that, that, that I've talked about where a failure in business or um, times that I've, I've broken up with girlfriends, all those types of things. Um, you know, the grocery store example are things that anyone can relate to because I didn't want you to have to figure out theoretical concepts. Um, and the third thing I did, and there was a lot of trepidation on this book. Um, I, I put it all out there. I didn't hold anything back because... I want to make marketing to mindsets. I want to make all of us much better marketers. I think it's just good for people to have marketing that is truthful, it's honest, and it fits to where it fits in a it fits in their kind of mind in a way that makes sense to them. So I didn't hold anything back. Like you'll see in the book, I'm like, hey, I talk about these things called behavioral activation briefs, but it's basically this idea of here are the types of things you need to do. And if you want to know the exact same briefs that I use for my agency, they're on my website. You can download them right now. You don't have to buy the book. You just get, you know, just sign up for it and you can download all the content. If you want to go deeper into um, any one of these sciences, I've got a whole list of books you can go read right now. So I felt like there's a lot of books out there that introduce you to a concept. And then they say, well, call my company if you want to learn more. I didn't want to do that. I said, here is everything I know. Here's what you can have too. If you want to call my company now afterwards, I think that's fair, but I didn't want to hold anything back. Um, so that was the third thing that I really try to focus on in this book. Absolutely. And I'm glad that you, you mentioned that, you know, the, the focus was on making it practical. I know I'm going back to that once again, but it, I also see that like it also can apply to not just building a business or just for the entrepreneur, but also just building relationships as you market yourself, mm-hmm. like in the professional world, the networking world and this, that and the other. And you do that in a great story where you talk about uh, your son, Nicholas, right? Yep. Uh, who is adorable, by the way. <laughs> uh, 
you know, in trying to get convince him to uh, eat his vegetables or whatever, right? And so yep. I love that practicality to where it does not just, you know, apply just to business, but also in like relationships with like, you know, friends, family and stuff like that. So I actually appreciate yeah. it. Well, it's, I, I'll build on that. And I, I love how you just, you took it to where I think the next book, I have this idea of doing selling to mind states. Because if you, if you okay. think about this model, it is, it, 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 the model is applicable to many different uh, facets of life, whether it's parenting to mind states, selling to mind states, Absolutely. marketing to mind, management. You can use these things. If you have an employee that, you know, is, 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 is maybe needs some inspiration this book, if you just have to be a little more imaginative, but the model itself, it's a behavioral model. It's not a marketing model. It's a behavioral science model. You could use that same model to influence an employee to kind of motivate them to do something or Absolutely. get more excited. Or you could use it, like you said, you could use it for sales. Like one to, let me tell you, one-to-one -one marketing, which I don't talk a lot about in this book, that's where this stuff is really influential. Like if, I, mm. if you're sitting across a table from me and if I understood the mind state of, you know, I'm trying to sell... Uh, I don't know, a new, a new drug to a dentist or whatever. And I'm on that, I'm that salesperson looking that guy in the eye. This stuff is really powerful. In fact, I, I make the case that it's selling to mind states is even more important than marketing to mind states. Because if I put these things into a brochure or if I optimize a package, right? And that's what this book will tell you how to do that. Well, that's okay, but it still relies that the packaging does the legwork. But you know, you and I know this, one-to-one -one interactions with people that's where you get the most control over how you're being presented. Absolutely. And so I think these things for anybody out there who's like, you know, I don't do a lot of marketing. I'm more, I'm hustling. I'm trying to, I'm doing one-to-one -one relationships. I'm calling on clients. I kind of think this book is actually even more important for you. If you can, if you can, if you could take my examples, like how I use Nicholas and how I kind of get him to, to, to eat his vegetables, you can take that same idea and you can think about how, how can I get this, uh, you know, this auto parts store, to buy my auto part. You can do the same thing. It's a behavioral model, not a marketing model. And I definitely appreciate you sharing that for sure. So we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. How you like being on a startup life so far, Will? Love it so No, so far. I like it where you're taking us. Awesome. Awesome. All right. All right, Startup Nation. So I hope you're getting great value from Will's content, but we got to pay a few bills. Once again, my name is Dominic Lawson and you're listening to The Startup Life. business owner the startup life reach is growing wouldn't you like your business to grow with it reach out to us to advertise on the startup life you can reach us at 901-857-4818 or you can email me at dominic at askalsolutions.com i mean don't get me wrong like this is a great music to have break on but wouldn't this break sound a lot better with the same music but your business being advertised on it if you are a teacher looking for great resources look no further than our teaching with owls section of our website enjoy great lessons such as our mini lesson for the story of an hour or dive into the nixon presidency as part of our legacy series enjoy great peace of mind from our units as they are common core line click the link in the show notes to purchase all right startup nation so let's continue so will man like you know you mentioned something in the in the first segment of the show kind of hit home with me a little bit because you talked about like you know benefit statements like you know save money save time convenience and stuff like that but i love how your book takes it a little bit deeper uh into understanding the mind states of you know potential customers potential climate clients in that one-on-one -on -one, uh doctrine if you will uh so i want to ask you this man in the book, you talk about customers and higher order goals, right? Mm -hmm. you know, can you explain what higher order goals are for Startup Nation and also how understanding them can set you apart from the competition? 
Yeah, and I think it's a very small thing you can do to separate you from competition. So let's go down and just say, what is, what is a goal? And the goal is only the distance between where somebody is today versus where they want to go, right? Gotcha. So a lot of times what we've done, and, and, and you know, universities have taught us that, you ask people, what do you want? And here's what people will tell you what they want. They'll tell you, I want to save money. I want to save some time. Um, I want to get a good deal. And that stuff is fine. And I'm not to say that that's wrong, but you look at a lot of marketing today and that's what we tell people. I can save you money. I can save you time. I've got higher quality than my next competitor. And that's okay. If you want to differentiate yourself, you got to move away from just functional goals and help them do some thinking. Why is it important for you to save money? Well, if you ask somebody that question, you kind of really ask them, why is that important? Why is that important? We, we do something called laddering where you keep asking somebody, why is that important? And let's say, for instance, if you're talking to me and you said, well, well why, why is saving money important? I said, well, you know what? It's because I haven't taken my family on a, on a vacation in a long time. And me as a dad, I, I kind of owe it to my kids to take them on a trip to Disney World. Boom. Sure. That's sure. a higher order goal. Mm. The emotion is not in saving money. The emotion is what am I going to do with that money savings? And if I can communicate that, if I can take my brand and say, I'm not here to save you money. I'm here to facilitate a trip for your family to go to, to Disney World. There's a different level of emotion now because there's a connection there that other brands don't have. So we talk, that, that's called uh, higher order goals. And just starting there with people creates better engagement because you're helping them do something that otherwise they couldn't do. It's not saving money. Anyone can save money. How many people step up and help you use that money for a better purpose? And that's all, all that is. I hear that. I hear that. And thank you for sharing that. Let me ask you this, man, because there may be some, a few skeptics out there right? Uh, let's say, you, you know, there's a business owner out there and they read your book and they say that this feels less about, you know, behavioral science and more about manipulation, right? Mm -hmm. What do you say to that business owner? Yeah, I think right off the bat, we got to realize that um, whether we like it or not, there's a world out there called advertising that I can make the case have been manipulating us ever since you know, 3000 BC in China, where, you know, people on the side of, of roads would play flutes to get you to come over to buy their produce. It's all manipulation. Uh, that's what advertising by its very nature is. Now, manipulation has a bad connotation. So let's just call it persuasion. And if I'm being persuaded, there are good things that you can do to persuade me. And there are bad things that you can do to persuade me. And I will tell you this, that there's a couple things that if you use this book and if you think, hey, this is going to give me the upper hand to where I can take my bad product and I can trick you into buying my product, you're not thinking about this science in a good way. Because I'll tell you, there you can, just like anything else, sleights of hand, lying to people, manipulating people. You can trick people one time. You can. Uh, it happens it happens a lot. As a matter of fact, there's, you know, I don't know if there's science behind it, but people get tricked into purchases. I will tell you that if there's a bad experience, if your product isn't, if it's, if it's not delivering on that promise, if somebody feels like that experience was something that just wasn't what they thought it was going to be, that they were tricked, they don't have to be consciously aware that they're tricked, by the way. Right. They will halo. It's called halo effect. They will take that experience and they will remind, they will remember your brand is associated with that experience. And so it's almost like buyer beware. Look, if you use these types of techniques to take people and make, and, and I should say make, you can't make anybody do anything. But if you, if you try to manipulate them, um, buyer beware because you will suffer long-term uh, uh, consequences. So first thing, it's been happening for a long time. Secondly, it's really important to know that there are things in these books and in these, and lots of books, not just mine, that may help you get an advantage, but don't take advantage of the person because mm. long-term it's, it, you are going to be, you're going to suffer for that. And they won't even know why. I'm not suggesting they go, you manipulated me, but they will halo a bad experience to your brand that you'll never recover from. Now, there may be some in Startup Nation, man. They, they hear like, you know, marketed in mind states, mind states, and they, you know, we may have lost a few of them. Explain <laughs> so, to us, you know, the model of talk, uh, talking to a mind state and what exactly is a mind state? Yeah, so, so I talk about the, I start off the book uh, talking about the birth of my son who was, who was born a, a preemie. And a mind state are these moments in your day where you have higher emotional arousal, meaning like you just, you're excited or you're sad, but you have, you have a, a spike in your emotion. It happens, you're probably not aware of it, but it happens to you a 
couple hundred times a day where it pauses. There's these pauses in your day, these moments of exhilaration, or just a small little dip, uh, a dip in your emotion. What in these moments, when you are under a specific mind state, you're more susceptible to influence because what happens is when you use your emotional brain or you, you're in a more of a heightened emotional state of mind, you are using more of your heart to make decisions than your mind or your, your brain to make decisions. And I know that's soft, fluffy language, but what that really <laughs> means is that you're yeah. more susceptible to influence. Like I always say this, I'm like, mind state marketing works because it's the science behind emotional marketing. So you right. may be listening to ad agencies or everyone's talking about emotional marketing, emotional marketing, emotional marketing. What I'm trying to tell people is that there is science behind emotions. It's not just kind of something that you're kind of, you should play around with. And it's not just make everybody cry when they see your commercial, there's science behind it. So if we're going to market to that non-conscious 75,000 decisions, it's understanding these moments in time, which are called mind states. And in these mind states, just want to point out, it's not a personality test. It's not any kind of a new segmentation, new segment thing. What it is, is understanding that you and I, Dominic, we have lots of different mind states that are just temporarily, maybe 10 minutes, maybe five minutes, maybe 30 minutes that we fall under. And if I understand that, if I know you, Dominic, as a person, you're a great, you know, you, me and you, we have a great client relationship. I know you, I know your attitudes. I know your goals. I know all these things about you, but that's great. If I can now understand that in this moment right now, I now know that you're an optimistic achiever is one of the mind states that we talk about. Right. I can now take, put that overlay on top of what I already know about you, Dominic, and just talk to you in a way that is even more engaging. Gotcha. Okay. And so, and make that more conducive to that person to make that transition to some type of transaction, if you will, a lot easier for sure. It just feels intuitive. It just feels intuitive. It feels like you get me. Like right. I'm talking to you, you're just going to go, I like Will because he just gets me. Absolutely. There's a reason why I get you because it's a mindset. I'm talking to this temporary state of emotional arousal. Gotcha. So, you know, you, you talk about a new behavioral change that's introduced in the book, that, which is really fascinating. Can you explain that to us a little bit? Yeah. So what the book is going to do, and again, I, I, it's going to be very uh, layman, hopefully, and, and with these stories. But if you want to understand why people do what they do, now this could be your person you're trying to sell to. It could be your wife. It could be you know your grandfather. It could, it's anybody. But the idea is you got to understand four different things that are happening in their world at that moment. The first thing is goals. And we already talked about that, this idea right. of functional goals and what is their higher order goal. The second thing is what motivates them to reach their goal. That's motivational psychology. But basically what the book will teach you is that there are nine core motivations that drive the vast majority of our things. So one of them, the classic one is esteem, right? So esteem is why so many of us take selfies, right? And, and, and social media is so important because esteem is this desire to feel approval, respected, and admired by others. Or yeah. another one is security, right? That's very like, we have a desire, a motivated to feel secure, safe, and protected from threat or to provide security and protection from threat, et cetera. So there are nine of these things that think of it as an engine that drives people to reach their goals. So it's important to understand, should I talk about my product in a way that helps secure something for them? Or should I talk about how my product will make you be admired by others, esteem versus security? Same product, same goals. How I message differs a little bit by motivation. The third one in this is called regulatory approach. And here's the idea on regulatory approach. There's a whole chapter on it, but we all approach our goals, any goal you're talking about in one of two ways. The first goal or the first approach is called promotion regulatory fit, meaning we are seeking to maximize our chances of success. So what happens is if you're in that state of mind, if you're in that kind of, you're using that regulatory approach, you will look for brands, messages, communications that are telling you, if you buy my product, you have, you're maximizing your chances of successfully reaching that goal. You could have the same goal, the same motivation. Other people may take a prevention approach, meaning they're trying to avoid or minimize their chances of loss or risk. So they'll look for brands, brand uh, strategies, products that are telling them, if you buy my product, I will eliminate your chances of not hitting that goal. It sounds like a small nuance, but it's a very important nuance. I'll give you this example. 
let's say for instance, you're going to sell some, I don't know, some healthy chips, whatever. Okay. So I ask you, okay, so you want to understand more about how do I best sell these healthy chips? What are your goals? And so let's say you go talk to a bunch of Gen X guys and they say, I want to lose weight. Okay. That's your goal. You want to lose weight. Why is that important? And most guys will tell you this. It's because I want to be there for my daughter's wedding. If they have a daughter, it's every guy's fantasy is Absolutely. there and walk Absolutely. his daughter down the, down the aisle, right? right? Okay, that's a higher order goal. That's emotion. That's a higher order goal I was telling you about. Okay, great. I now know that I got to tap into this desire of nurturance. That's one of those motivations. Nurturance is this desire to feel appreciation, love, and taking care of others. So I now know your goals and your motivations. Now, I may ask you your strategy. Some people, let's say if they're using a promotion strategy, they're going to seek to find products that include lots of nutrients. They want, they want to maximize their chances of successfully walking their daughter down the aisle. So they're going to say, I want more nutrients. I'm looking for things that have vitamins and minerals and organic. Other people would be prevention. So they're going to look for things like, oh, I don't want to eat crap. I want to take the bad stuff out. Same product, but I would emphasize things differently because the strategy that person's looking for is, minimize chances of not, you know, walking my daughter down the aisle. So that's the third part. And the fourth part of that model um, is what we call a uh, cognitive heuristics. It's just these, think of their mental models, but realize that remember we make all these 75,000 decisions in any given day. Right. What happens is you have your intuition, your past experiences, your customers past experiences have created these shortcuts. And so here's a classic one. There's a classic shortcut that in America we do all the time. It's called scarcity effect. Okay. And this idea is we value things that we believe are scarce in nature. So when it says on Amazon, only three left, we assign more value on that because we feel like there's only three left. It's going away. I better buy now. That's a classic trick that, that you use is if when you see that there's only three left, it, it, it's an easier way for me to desire, or I'm sorry, to take action than it's for me to go, well, what are the cost benefits of buying this product? We have a bunch of these little shortcuts. There's lots of version, hyperbolic discounting, scarcity. Event. There's all these little shortcuts that we use. And I talk about 22 of them in the book. Right. But when you understand that shortcut, you take all four of those things and put them together. Now you have a model that will tell you very specifically how to use each of those factors to make much better marketing. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. One of the things, Will, I like about your book is that like, you know, from uh, like I said, we're an education consultant firm, so we build curriculum. I love how it, you know, it, it's like a step-by-step -step process. It's not just a whole bunch of like, you know, theories and a whole bunch of just like, you know, uh, stories, wherever the case may be. And I think they have a, a nice balance of all of that. Mm -hmm. But you know, I really like the part of the book where you talk about, you know, this is what you're trying to achieve. This is how you get ready to achieve yeah. it you know, this and the other. And so we have a lot of people in Startup Nation who are thinking about, you know, becoming an author and writing books and this and the other. So what I want to know is like, what do you have, you know, what does the book have in it and how did you structure the book? Because I think that part is fascinating as well. Yeah. So what was neat about the whole process and I was given advice a while ago is before you go down the path of writing a book, um, be sure that you know your subject matter to a point where you have things to talk about. And so I remember thinking I was going to write a book back in, oh, I don't know, probably 2013, or no, I'm sorry. Yeah, 20, 2012, 2013. Mm -hmm. And um, um, I remember a, a colleague of mine said, wait till you have real material. You know, right now you have theory, but I needed to have Nicholas born. I needed to have that story. I needed to know that, you know, grocery stores spray fruits and vegetables, even though it's rotting them faster, I needed to know that there was a, there's something there. So the first thing, my process was be patient, get mm -hmm. your stories together. And eventually you're going to come to a point where you feel like you have not just a point of view, but a point of view that has stories that you can share and communicate that point of view in a way that's compelling and not just one story. You probably need a few stories. Um, so that's the first thing I'll tell you. The second thing was I tried to structure the book into three different parts. And just like any, any other story, you want to start off with what's the problem? Like what's, well, why should I even read this book? Or what's different about this book versus like you said, there are lots of different marketing books out there that can teach you some really cool things. Mm -hmm. So the first part was let's talk about the world as it is today. And in my book, I talk about the real drivers of consumer behavior and it may come to a shock to a lot of people, but the non-conscious, like our environments and our emotion, if we're hungry at the moment when we're making a decision, 
whether I slept well last night, all these things influence your, your, your marketing. And I thought to myself, if you don't know that part, then there's no reason you should go into the second part of the book, understanding these non-conscious factors. So you kind of got to set up the stage a bit to say, here's what the reality of this new idea is and, and why this idea should be compelling to you. So that's the first part. And I just had understanding the real drivers of consumer behavior. Once I established that, I said, okay, so if this is the reality, well, what am I going to do about that? That's where I put my point of view, which is understanding this model, these four factors that I just went through. So after that, once I, once I said that, I laid that out, then to make it applicable, you have to say, well, what am I going to do with that? That's the third part of the book, which, okay, so if, if you now understand somebody's mind state, what are we going to do about it? So what I did was I kind of almost made a choose your own adventure. And I go in the back of the book and I say, okay, so if you answer these four questions, you can now identify you're in that make it up optimistic achievement mind state or the cautious security mind state or the cautious esteem mind state. Once you identify that, you go to the appendix, flip to the appendix, you find that it's just like choose your adventure. Now here's your marketing. Here's the way you should talk to this person. Here's how you should frame up your business to them, et cetera. So I felt like that was the best way to make it practical, which was my, my big point on that book was to make it to where people could choose their own adventures. You don't have to read the whole book to understand it. You just got to figure out those factors and then go to the choose your own adventure and you can go right to the website to pull down the entire behavioral activation brief that would make your marketing that much better for the next couple of years if, if, if you wanted to use it. And you know, and, and Will, that's why I was really excited about having you on the show because on the startup life, we make it a point to where if the information on this show, if you can't use it as soon as the episode stops, then we haven't done our job. And yeah. I think with marketing the mind states, it does exactly that. It gives you practical knowledge, practical activities to, to kind of activate the power of using the behavioral science you know, not just in your business, but also like we said earlier in you know, relationships <laughs> and stuff like that. So absolutely. That, that's why I really do uh, love this book, man. Finish this uh, statement for me. Uh, once I read marketing to mind states, I will have the ability to do what? To trigger behavioral change. Any other follow-up books, man? And you know, I think we kind of talked about a few ideas on this episode. Me too. But, you know, but, uh, any plans for those? Yeah, you know, I, I do because I, I think what I found out when I was writing this book is that, like I said, the mind state model, the theory behind all this stuff is not, has nothing to do with marketing. It has everything to do with human behavior, why we do the things that we do. And the more I thought about that, I said, well, what if, you know, what if I'm uh, in product development? What, what if I'm a coder out there? Well, there could be a book called Innovating to Mind States. If people make decisions in these heightened emotional moments of emotional arousal, how would I develop products? What types of foods could I make? that take advantage of these moments. So I think I have a platform of ideas and books. I think the first one's going to be selling to mindsets because I think you and I, I, we'd agree that the one-to-one -one interaction with people, I believe is the best place to use these sciences, behavioral science, just to make your, your relationships stronger, more intuitive, more natural. Then I have this idea of, well, why couldn't we do it for things like innovation or managing the mind state? So how could I make a culture inside my company where people just feel intuitively more connected because that's what this is about. It's not about, like you said, manipulation or tricking. It's about understanding people at their gut level of what makes them tick. And if I know that about this employee, I can make them more successful, happier in their job because I know how to talk to them. It's the same message, but how I twist that message, how I kind of shape that message could differ. And then it goes on from there. I mean, I've talked about Parenting to mind states like I've used it on Nicholas. Absolutely. Why couldn't we do parenting to mind states? Why couldn't we do marriages to mind state? You can kind of keep this, you know, if, if I'm doing my job right, 10 years from now, you and I are talking about my fifth book, and that's going to be <laughs> you know, well being to mind states or something where it's like, how would I organize my pantry if I wanted to lose weight? If these mind states, mm. arousal makes me go grab Oreos, well, how can I, how can I, how can I change my pantry? To where I don't grab the Oreos, I grab not every time, but maybe every fifth time. Rather than getting a cookie, I grab an apple. Over time, that will work. And this the science helps us get there. And so I think I have a little platform of, of an idea. We'll see how this first book goes, but I think there's a platform of mind state, um, mind state books that can help people in lots of different areas. Absolutely, and we would absolutely when you write that that <laughs> fifth book, we would absolutely love to have you back on the startup life and all the other ones as well. Uh, that we'll see in your future for sure. Uh, let me ask you this, man: What was your your favorite experience about writing this book, and your least favorite? 
I'll say one of my favorite experiences was, um, it was probably after the book was written, I'm going through the editing phase. And there's a moment where it dawned on me that the words that I saw on the page, those were words that my son will read. And he'll, he'll hear his dad's voice when he's 70 years old. Right. <laughs> Anyone who's writing a book, that's a, that's a neat byproduct of that. If you're writing in your voice and I can think mm. of myself, he's going to remember, he's going to hear a story about the day he was born and what I did in this kind of crazy hour long situation. What am I going to do? I'm a new dad. I'm not ready to be a dad. And all that goes with that. That was actually one of the best moments of the book writing process that I thought, my gosh, it was after the fact there was this realization that his dad's voice is forever in this book. The least favorite boy. There's a lot of uh, writing a book is, uh, <laughs> is it's, it's passion and pain together, buddy. Yeah. But I think there's a point when you're editing and this book at one point was well over 400 pages. Oh, wow. And because you're trying to put in all these stories and all these things. And there's a moment where you need somebody with perspective, that third party, in this case, mm -hmm. it was the editor and the publisher who would just basically say, Hey, Will, I know that story about you joining the army. You think that's important, but I'm telling you, it's not, it's not rolling. It's just not. And yeah. having that freedom or maybe that, maybe that, um, that trust just say, oh, I thought it was a pretty good story. And there it's just not Will. And pulling that out, it's almost like your baby. You've been working on it for 11, 12 Absolutely. months. And having somebody critique you, that's tough, right? In any business, right. frankly. But yeah, that was, a, that was a least favorite. <laughs> okay. Well, man, look, tell people where we can purchase the book, man. Yep. Uh, you can get it um, on Amazon. You can get it on barnesandnoble.com. Or if you just go to marketingtomindstates.com, you can go right over to our website. It'll link you over to Amazon. But that's the website you want to go to if you want to learn more about the company, you want to learn more about me as an author, or I'd encourage you guys to go over to the resources tab. You don't have to pay anything. I'm going to ask you for your email address, but from there you can download lots of different resources, worksheets. We help you walk through to get to these mind states. You can download every one of these behavioral activation briefs, but hopefully that's going to provide some value for anybody who's kind of wants to just do better marketing. I definitely believe that's going to provide some, some, some deep value for Startup Nation. We really appreciate that. And lastly, man, how can people contact you? Just like anything else, you can uh, find me on social media. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. Um, and ultimately, you can just go to uh, marketingdemindstates.com and they'll link you right over to my author page. And feel free to reach out. Tell me how you're, what you're thinking. Tell me uh, what I could do better. Because if we have this platform, Dom, you and I need to be talking about to the same group for the next five, 10 years. Absolutely. More is better for me now. So any, any comments, I'd love to hear them. Absolutely. And Startup Nation, all those links from social media to websites to how you purchase the book, all of those links, including Will's bio, is there in the show notes for easy access because we like to make things easy for you for sure. So, Amen. man, any lasting advice, any last piece of uh, knowledge from the book or from wherever, from entrepreneurship that you want to share, share for, uh, to Startup Nation? Yeah, you know, as an entrepreneur, I'll just go this. I'll, I'll come back to you know what, you as an entrepreneur, you have a point of view, you have a passion that the world needs to have. They need to see this viewpoint, they need to have this passion in yours. Don't give up, just keep trying to work it, keep trying to flex, don't be so rigid with your plan. Like I said, I changed my model four times in four years, four times in four years, just trying to figure out how do I keep my passion moving along so don't give up um, and you're gonna, find, you're gonna find your groove, you just gotta keep moving and find that support network that we talked about because that's the most critical thing. If you don't have a support network, it doesn't matter how much money you make or how much money you lose. It's all about having a support network that will push you to do things otherwise you wouldn't have done. Absolutely. So that's going to wrap up this session of the Startup Life, man. Did you enjoy it, Will? It was great stuff, man. Thanks for having me again. Oh, I appreciate no it. Worries. All right, Startup Nation. So here's my final take. Startup Nation, on your path to entrepreneurship, marketing is such a big piece of your journey. That's why there are so many books out there that reflect that. However, what Will has presented with Marketing to Mind States is something that allows you to make a deeper connection with your customer and your clients. The type of connection that makes them go, wow, you really get me, as Will stated earlier. This book gives you the blueprint to understand what goes into your customer's purchasing decisions with higher order goals and also how impactful one-to-one -one connections can be. Startup Nation, Marketing to Mind States might be the secret weapon you need 
to beat your competition. If you want to let us know what you think about the show, have an idea for a show topic, or would like to advertise on our show, send us a message on the Startup Life Podcast Facebook page. And while you are there, like and follow our page as well. It's a new way for us to engage with you, Startup Nation, and really grow our community. The link is here in the show notes. To subscribe to the show, as it can now be heard on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and SoundCloud. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts and you find our content valuable, please give us a five-star rating as it will help us climb the charts and help more people find our show. And hey, if you have an idea, be about that life, the startup life.